everyone, I'm Faith Russell, one of the founders of Mags Creative, a podcast studio based here in London, and I'm joined virtually by my sister and my business partner, Hannah Russell. And I'm not going to lie, we're both currently recording from under our duvets. To be fair to us, this was an order from our head of audio, as apparently it's the best place for soundproofing in our houses. Over the past few years, we've absolutely loved creating some brilliant shows. Think Deliciously Ella the Podcast, Cast Away with Laura Whitmore, and Clemmie Telford's Honestly. And we've been lucky enough to develop this amazing network of smart, inspirational human beings who could help us out during this time. And so we decided to do what we do best, creating podcasts that bring people together. As part of the Stay Home movement, we're bringing you Listen In, a list-based podcast that is keeping us staying in and letting us listen in at home with celebrities and familiar voices. Each episode comes to you directly from the home of some wonderful famous faces, or voices I should say, with tips and tricks that only they can share. Whether it's the three books Elizabeth Day just can't live without or Martine McCutcheon's four greatest loves, Listen In is here to make you feel less alone at home. So please, stay home, lean back and listen in because we've got you covered. From our duvet to yours, here's today's episode. Hello world, my name is Tasha Bishop. I'm the founder of The Pants Project, host of the Body Language Podcast, and a freelance copywriter to earn my bread and butter. I thought I'd start with a little background on what The Pants Project is, given it's probably the reason I'm recording this small segment of joy in the first place. So, The Pants Project started with a lie. I was the last girl in my year to start her period. I so badly wanted to be part of the period club that I actually ended up faking it by stealing some red food colouring from my mum's baking cupboard, pouring it all over the gusset of my brightest white pants and parading them around my school dormitory. Luckily, my friends were easily fooled and I was accepted as a fully-fledged monthly red member. Fast forward a few years and my ever-elusive period refused to exist. I got steadily more anxious as the days flew by and by the time I was 16, I'd had enough of waiting and demanded a doctor's appointment. The first appointment, in a long line of them, was a GP visit who cheerily reminded me that a watched kettle never boils. An inconclusive ultrasound and two MRIs later, I was diagnosed with Maya rokitansky kusterhauser syndrome. MRKH means that I was born without a womb. I would never have a period, I'd never give birth, and if I wanted to have sex, I would have to undergo invasive long-term treatment. I finished my school days trying to ignore MRKH and the implications that it would have on my life. Upon leaving school, I spent my A-level summer in hospital, receiving the treatment that would enable me to have sex. On the very last day, my nurse planted the seed that would eventually grow into the pants project. I was utterly broken by my treatment and blackly depressed about my body, so my nurse advised I get myself a pair of pants that made me feel like superwoman. I heeded her advice and popped off to buy my first pair of power pants. I looked in the mirror and for the first time in my life, I saw a powerful, capable, sexy, strong woman. I had discovered the power of pants. Having experienced a time when I felt as far from femininity and womanhood as possible, it was pants that saved me. A pair of underwear that made me feel invincible. For me, survival is about finding a small symbol of strength, a piece of everyday armour that can keep us going through the darkest of times. The Pants Project was born out of experience and exists to create a community of support, just like a gusset. So, in these crazy times we're experiencing, 
that I feel mightily underqualified to rationalise. I'm thrilled to be sharing five women who have become small symbols of strength and pieces of everyday armour whilst I'm stuck at home, panic-baking, and wondering if the apocalypse is nigh. Whilst I am being a little dramatic for the sake of sarcasm, I have found this time extremely anxiety-inducing. For me, it's the not knowing what will happen next that gets me the most. As a silver lining towards the C-word business, my fiancé and I have stuck together for the foreseeable. Instead of being 5,000 miles apart, as he's usually studying for a film master's in LA. And that's what's important right now, hibernating safely with your loved ones. So, to keep people staying in and listening in, I've been asked by the wonderful team at Mags Creative to list five powerful women that inspire me. Every time I scroll through social media at the moment, I see the disease to achieve booming. Whilst I'm in no way against anyone wanting to be productive, you do you and all that, I found the chaotic productivity of quarantine so overwhelming. Everyone seems to be adhering to higher standards than usual, across everything from goal scoring and course completing to weight loss and physical appearance. That's why I find it so reassuring and calming to see the kind of content that is genuine and wise and slow. To me, the most powerful people are quiet geniuses. So... The next five women might not be your Beyonce's or Michelle Obama's of the world, but I think they're all just wonderful and extraordinary in their own ways. When all this is over, I really hope we can find a way to switch out society's destructive standards of perfection towards more self-kindness, peace and approval of all qualities, including a raw sense of joy. So let's begin. On the days when I'm not working from home during quarantine, I spend most of my time at cross-stitching. I find it so calming and meditative and I love surfing Etsy for ironic feminist phrase patterns to stitch. Right now I'm stitching, I panic at a lot of other places besides the disco, which other than being a tongue twister, I find greatly amusing. And next I'll be working on Nolite Te Bastardas Carborundorum from Margaret Atwood's Handmaid's Tale, which means don't let the bastards get you down. I'm pretty sure it's gibberish, not actual Latin, but I love it. (laughs) So in light of my new cross-stitching obsession, I would love to start by talking about powerful woman numero uno, Sarah Corbett. Sarah is an award-winning speaker, professional activist, author, and the founder of the amazing Craftivist Collective. Craftivist Collective is a social enterprise which uses the technique of craftivism, combining craft and activism, to engage people in social justice issues in a peaceful, non-confrontational way that involves handcrafted gestures of defiance. A great example of craftivism from another really powerful woman called Shannon Downey is the piece she embroidered that flooded the internet when the Me Too movement kicked off and reads, boys will be boys, crossed out, held accountable for their fucking actions. Pretty sure you know the one or can find it on a celebrity's page pretty easily. Um, And as an introvert myself, I really find Sarah Corbett's activism so inspiring. She shows us this new way of fighting for a better world without resorting to violence or empty social media posts. And she really calls on us all to reconsider our approach to communicating and living. Tavi Gevinson is my second powerful woman. Okay, this one is half podcast recommendation, half ode to Tavi. But if you don't know what Ricky Mag is, I truly don't know what you've been doing with your life. 
Founded by Tavia when she was 12 years old, Rookie Mag started as a fashion blog that got her invited to high-end fashion events and had her posing artfully in her bedroom and writing words far beyond the average 12-year-old's lexicon. Rookie punctuated much of my teenage existence and I was so sad when it closed a couple of years back. It was this incredible hub where young female and non-binary writers could come together and share their work and have it published and reflect on what being a teenager in the modern world was really like. I know that description isn't going to do it any justice, but everything about Rookie was perfect to me. It was my introduction to the world, writing and feminism. About a year before it closed in 2017, Tavy launched a Rookie podcast. I don't know what happened to the pod exactly. Um, I think it only lasted one season and God knows why, but it was so good and you can still listen to the episodes on Apple Podcasts. Some seriously good conversations, which include some ridiculously cool people. Uh, my favourite guests are Lord and Roxanne Gay, and it's seriously a quarantine education like no other. Okay, number three, Jane Campion. In all honesty, I'm only just getting to know who Jane Campion really is and why my life was so lacking prior to consuming her epic filmmaking. During quarantine, my fiancé has been doing his best to educate me in cinema, and we've been ploughing our way through the Criterion Collection of movies. The other day we watched Holy Smoke, a film by Campion that sees Kate Winslet take on the role of a young woman stuck in a cult whose family tries to break her out. I won't go too much into the plot for spoiler reasons, but the film is such a fascinating, kitschy, I can't even describe, fashionable, incredibly female portrayal of a young woman struggling through an existential crisis. It's so stylized and so fun, but also so meaningful. And the film sparked this fascination for Campion, and I really can't stop Googling her. <laughs> Turns out that Campion is the only woman to ever win the Palme d'Or at Cannes and the second woman ever nominated for a directing Oscar. One article I found featured this quote, which I really can't stop thinking about. Back then, filmmaking was a cipher for some of my own frustrations about having a voice and not being seen or heard. But the way women love women is different to the way men love women. Women love women who feel real, who are complicated, and not just sex objects. Campion's a genius. My penultimate powerful woman is the inimitable Maggie Rogers. I went to study music after school because that's all I'd ever wanted to do. I lived and breathed songwriting for so much of my existence, up until I was 18, and then a few weeks into my first term at Leeds College of Music, an incredible popular music conservatoire, I had a breakdown and left. It's taken me nearly four years to start writing and singing and playing again. Um, and then last year, I discovered Maggie Rogers. When her debut album, Heard It In A Past Life, came into fruition, I couldn't listen to anything else. I was completely enthralled by her, totally in love with her and wildly jealous of her, in all honesty. She had the life and sound I'd dreamed of for so long. She was so raw and completely herself. And when I listened to her music, instead of just singing along, I wanted to get out my guitar and write. That's how I knew she was a really powerful musician. Her music literally moved me to make my own. I feel very indebted to this wonderfully talented stranger for reigniting my passion. Side note, all of her songs are full of distorted birdsong, so if you're feeling this weird lack of nature in your life right now, turn up the volume on Maggie and dance around your kitchen. And for my fifth and final powerful woman, this woman isn't actually real. She's the most wonderful character I've ever come across. This is an ode to Fleabag. Fleabag, the character written and performed by Phoebe Waller-Bridge, is the example female every single anxious woman needs. 
She is a woman and character who proves that failing can be fun. During quarantine, I've rewatched the whole show for the third time, and I've realized something. Nobody who watches Fleabag really wants to be Claire. Fleabag's habit of needily seeking sex from all the wrong people, drinking too much, giggling inappropriately, and crying left, right, and center looks significantly more fun than her sister's miserable compromise of a marriage. Even Fleabag's financially precarious cafe business beats sitting in Claire's enormous office, fretting about keeping the clients happy. Just like the author Elizabeth Day's book, How to Fail, another amazingly powerful woman, which tells the story of her failed IVF procedures, miscarriage, and divorce. Fleabag neatly inverts the idea of success. I take a lot of quarantine inspiration from Fleabag. It's okay to fuck up, it's okay to be messy, and it's okay to have fun. Perfection is overrated anyway, so stay in, tune in, and keep listening. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Listen In, and a big thank you to this week's guests for taking the time to share their thoughts of the day. We'd love to hear from you. Connect with us on our Instagram, which is mags.creative, and it would be great if you could also share your feedback of the show by rating and reviewing the podcast. Hit the subscribe button to receive episodes as they come out. We have new guests a couple of times a week. And remember kids, hashtag stay home. It's the best place to be.